Who the bloody hell's that? Morning, Ange. Oh, Anthony. How are we? I'm really well. How are you? <laughs> Come on in. I will do. Thank you. Did that sound staged? Just a little. No, it's fine. fine. Yeah. I'm going to embrace the whole lounge pant thing next time. I'm going to put my University of New Hampshire lounge pants on. You should indeed. You're listening to the Corona Diaries, a sometimes random and often irreverent attempt to understand the psyche of singer Steve Hogarth. Hello and welcome to chapter 135 of the Corona Diaries. Good morning. Good Good morning. Good heavens. And our normal production meeting, which normally lasts about a minute and a half before we start, has been cut short mm. because we start a conversation that turned out to be gold that we need to really have on tape. According to you, yes. I think it is gold. And I think I th- I'm fairly confident I'm going to be, you know, proved to be correct on this one because you've just come back from the doctors, haven't you? I have. I've just come back from the doctors. I went for two reasons. Actually, oh, I don't know um, about the second one. The first reason was that I had a, a kind of strange lump on the side of my face that I wanted him to have a look at in case it was dodgy. Right. Anyway, since I made the appointment, it's gone. So I said, "So I said," <laughs> he was he was delighted to hear that. He said, "I love it when people come and tell tell me there's nothing wrong with them. It makes my job much easier." <laughs> so that's gone. And then the other thing is I've had a pain in my right big toe on and off for like a year or two. And uh, unlike most pains in your body, it moves around. It's not always in the same place. Um, Now, that's strange. So, uh, (laughs) (laughs) What, different toes or? (laughs) No, it just moves up and down my foot. Right. Sometimes it's it's in like where my toenail is. Sometimes right. it's on the joint, and then sometimes it's further up, almost in the arch of my foot. But virtually it, contained within the toe, mostly, mostly contained. Well, not even no. always within the toe. Sometimes more up the foot. Right. So it moves about, and. Um, he found that quite intriguing. Anyway, he, he came to the conclusion that. He said, do you wear supportive footwear? I said, no, I wear these. And I pointed at the boots I'd got on, which are the ones that Lynetta's thrown in the bin three times that I keep fishing back out. And uh, he said, I've never seen um, less supportive footwear in my life than that. Uh, And I went, oh, he said, you should consider wearing supportive footwear. Um, so, uh, well, there, there is less supportive footwear. There's flip-flops. Uh, at least I didn't go in in flip-flops. Well, I mean, and you've got a pair of Crocs as well, haven't you? Yeah, I don't wear them very often. In fact, I may have lost them. Right. Um, I had a pair of Crocs once that, that I was on a beach in Nice and I had a pair of Crocs that I'd bought in a shop in Nice and they were white with pink roses on. Oh, and uh, oh no! I'm getting this totally wrong. No, they weren't. They were black. They were black, and one was under the sun lounger, and the other one wasn't. And the one that wasn't under the sun lounger shrank in the sun, and I put it on, and it didn't fit. And I thought it must be somebody else's. So now I was going around the beach accusing people of swapping my Crocs. But one had swapped, one had shrunk. So one still fitted, and the other one was about three sizes too small. So, top tips. You've folks. told me that story, and I laughed last time, and I've laughed again. I think that's, that's <laughs> just... It's one of the best stories ever, that. I love the fact that you bought a pair of Crocs and you didn't know what colour they were. <laughs> did the black ones have roses on? I bet they didn't, did no, they? No, 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 no. No, I'm getting confused. The black ones shrunk. And then I had to throw them away. Right. And I bought some white ones with pink roses on to replace them in a sort of beach shop in Nice. Right. And I think that's what I was wearing when Lynette's dad met me the second time. 
Uh, I'm surprised there was a second time. <laughs> <laughs> Did I tell you about when I drove his car into his wall? No. <laughs> On his birthday. <laughs> Obviously. I mean, I mean, what else could it have been? <laughs> Did I not tell you that? No. He had like a little carport. Um, and uh, he had a tennis ball dangling on a string. Oh, no, you have told me this. Yeah, yeah. which yeah. I took as, a, as an opportunity to hit quite hard. I thought, oh, I'll hit the tennis ball. Of course, if it was placed in such yeah. a, a position as to avoid hitting the wall. Yeah. So then no, I drove his to... car into his garage wall, yeah, and it was his birthday. Anyway. Yeah. It all came um... flooding back with a tennis ball. <laughs> so so back, back to your toe. Obviously, when you said that to me this morning, the first thing I jumped to was gout. Yes, yes, yes. Why did you jump to gout? Well, was just it... good, good living, I guess. Right. You, yeah. you strike me as somebody who you know, you know, you weigh around a glass of port, don't you? Well, I do, but I don't drink a lot of port, and no. I don't drink a lot of red wine. I'm strictly, you know, gin when I'm not working, and tequila and Red Bull when I am. You're a clear spirits kind of guy, aren't you? I have become. More of a um, don't drink anything you can't see can't through see sort through. of guy, yeah. Mm. Mm. Over the years, um, but you know, not 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 exclusively. I still fall into the beer trap occasionally with yeah. a splash. Yeah. <laughs> yes. That kind of Robert Maxwell splash. <laughs> He's fallen into the beer <laughs> trap. <laughs> <laughs> Get him now, out. Now, before we get any further... a long pole? Cue <laughs> <laughs> long pole jokes. Now, before we get any further, yeah. Yeah. have you actually listened to Less Is More? I have. Oh, oh have my you? God. Uh, I have. Oh, right, okay. It, did, it didn't help. It didn't work. <laughs> right, okay. <laughs> but I'll do my best. Right, well, before we get there, because I, 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 hunt, I hunted under the bed and there was nothing about Less Is More, my oldest web magazine. I only keep the big, glossy ones. I didn't oh, keep the God. old ones. So that's so, an epic so, fail on so, both so, our parts. Yeah, so this is going to be, we're going to be busking. <laughs> uh, Can uh, we talk about somebody else's album? Yeah, let's do that. I was thinking that. <laughs> But before we get there, we're on we're on really early for us. This was a pre-tennis start today, wasn't it? Oh, shocking! Yeah, yeah. the the um, the club was barely open, was it? Mm. When we walked on court this morning, it was yeah. That, actually, the other thing I was going to say was early morning doctor's appointment. Obviously, he's he was a bit a bit you know confused by your toe. Pleased that he hadn't got a look at your face. Did he not yes. take the opportunity? To, to check your prostate while he was there. I thought that's what they just do these days if you're over a certain age. No, you can't get you can't get asked to do it. You've got, you know, I always say any you know, what about the prostate and they all go they always say, well, "Off you go." <laughs> it's it's probably fine, they say. It's probably fine. <laughs> <laughs> oh dear. Yeah. It'll be all right. Are you yeah, up right. in the night? Are you up in the night, they say, for a pee? And I go, no, get out of here then. Yeah. They don't, yeah. They're, not they're even very... once? Not no, even I'm a, not. Not even no. a three o'clock one? No. All right. Oh, you're, that's very no. good. Like a camel. Right. Yeah, very good. Um, mm. I don't think you get a camel in our ensuite, actually. I'm awake think... in the night, obviously. Right. It's that Tommy Cooper joke, isn't it? <laughs> Last night. Last night I slept like a baby. I woke up at two o'clock screaming. <laughs> well, I've uh, this morning I've got into that state of kind of do lalliness really quickly because I'm laughing at anything you say so far. <laughs> <laughs> Even the cod, Tommy Ju- uh, Tommy Chuka, Tommy Tommy Cooper joke. That is a right, good one. right. Anyway. So, what we do need to talk about, and, and we, we, in fact, you messaged me this while you were having your roots done. Mm. <laughs> Great picture, by the way. I'm surprised that didn't find its way onto Instagram, that picture. <laughs> I do have some pride. <laughs> you sent me a fantastic picture of you mid-root work. <laughs> it wasn't pretty. <laughs> it was very impressive. Um, but you said to me, we must, we must talk about... Um, the live stream. Oh yes, 
Yes. Because um, I know we so- touched on it, I think, in the Q&A, which is going out this morning. Um, but uh, for everybody else, Oxford is going to be streamed, isn't it? It is, yeah. The, my St John's uh, Church show on December the 17th, uh, the Christmassy one, um, will be live streamed as it has been the last couple of years. So if you're unable to be in Oxford um, on December the 17th to to catch it in person, um, then um, you can always watch it on the telly in the comfort of your own comfort. Mm. And you've put the details out on Facebook, haven't you? Uh, yes. Are they on your website? Uh not yet. Not yet. Right. I so must the, do that. Over the course of the next few days, mm. it'll be everywhere, won't it? Plastered. I've put it on my Instagram. Right. But I haven't put it on my website yet. Right. Right. <clears throat> but more mm. importantly, for everybody who's listening, Oxford, you can get to join us. Because it's the start of Christmas, isn't it, really? Absolutely. Well, I'm starting Christmas on Saturday in Warsaw, actually. Mm. Um. In fact, we the Danes are very keen on the Advent things. So yesterday, uh, I mean, bearing in mind that we're recording this on Monday, yesterday was the first Advent, the first Sunday in Advent, right? And uh, uh, which meant we had to light a candle, um, and and I think that was it. Haven't you been lighting candles anyway to keep your electric bill down? Well, she does like candles, like 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 Billy O. the The Scandies do like a candle. Soon, straight after nightfall, winter and summer, the candles are out. Right. Um, but uh, Lynetta makes um, an Advent wreath, not the one, not the Blue Peter one out of the I two was cross say, coat hangers. <laughs> this is a bit more. Um, Bit, I went bit, straight back to the Blue Peter one with the coat hangers. <laughs> it's a bit further up market, this one. Um, but we do have an Advent wreath um, each Advent. And and yesterday we lit the first candle. So that was quite, oh, here oh. comes Christmas. Now, you see, I always think of Advent as being December the 1st onwards. But is it is it the four Sundays then? I suppose it is, isn't it? It's the four Sundays, yes, before Christmas. Right. And... Um, Sunday the 27th of November was was the first one. Right. By all accounts. Right. Wow. So she started trimming up. You see what? Now, when I was a lad, you didn't Ooh. trim up until Ooh. the 13th of December. It was unlucky. So in our house, you know, right. t- 12 days before or right. it was bad luck. And you had to have them down 12 days after on the 5th yes. of Jan or that was bad luck. But they don't tend to do that in Denmark. They just tend to, you know, lick their finger, put it up in the wind, and if if the mood is right, they trim up. Right. So she's she's already started. It's not even December, and she's at it. I, Things I have a, started appearing around the house. I read a message that somebody posted on one of the platforms that said, "Put your hand up if you've put your Christmas tree up already." Uh, right. And then number two, use that hand to smack yourself repeatedly in the face. Oh, we haven't put a tree up. Right. To be fair, I I I dig my heels in a bit on that front. We we were always week before Christmas for your tree. I think. Oh, I was were a, you? Yeah, the I think week I was before. a bit. Yeah, I think I was a bit Grinchy. Mm. Um, mm. um, you know. Um, yeah, I'm not sure what the deal is in Denmark with the tree going up. Whether that's later on or earlier on, I don't know. Is your but village they... tree up? Yeah, they put it up yesterday. I right. was watching them swinging on it, and then I saw them in the pub yesterday afternoon and told them it was on the piss. That went down well. <laughs> That's all you need. Jumped up Rockstar telling us that we've not done a good job of putting the tree up. That tree's on the piss, I said. Well, it looks all right from our house. They said, well, it doesn't look all right from mine, I said. <laughs> Did you invite them all back to have a look out your kitchen window? <laughs> I would have done, but they were celebrating someone's birthday and I didn't right. like to disturb. Right, right. So back back to where we were, back to where we started. Mm. Oxford's live stream, mm. 17th. If you can't make any of the other dates, that's the one. However, you're in Warsaw for the gig on, is it Saturday? Saturday, yeah. The, um, oh, 27 plus 7. 
is uh, oh that's a tricky number because it's next month it's, um hang on i'll look it up in my um in my year planner right bear with i'm bearing with the 3rd of december i'm in warsaw the 9th of december i'm in germany in bonn the 11th i'm in bochum in germany and on the 12th in hamburg and then, of course, on the 17th, I'm at St. John's in Oxford. Now, we can link two things together here because I've only ever been to Hamburg once. And would you believe when I went to Hamburg, I went as a guest of TC Electronic. Oh, oh going, Phil, Phil Going Bonner. back to effects pedals. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Oh, well, the 2290. Indeed, the 2290. Oh. Right, so that's, that's all the bits of plugging out of the way. You've we've now got to rattle through this quite quickly because you've got to start rehearsing. Uh, no, no, no. We're being videoed today. Something oh, yeah. that Lucy's dreamt something up that's a secret. <laughs> <laughs> so, oh. we've, so we've got to go. We've got to go and be. We know that we know that Tim Sidwell and a camera is involved. Right, and that's about all we know. Right, so I've, yeah, I've got to run off to that. Right, oh, that's really um, exciting. Mm. Yeah, I don't know what she's up to. Oh, well, um, what time are you due to be doing that then? Midday. Right, I've got to be there. Right, and you've still got Warsaw to re- you know rehearse for as well. Just a bit, yeah. Just this, there's just a small detail of those four million chord changes right. that I've got to somehow hammer into my brain and be right. able to remember whilst singing. Which... Aren't there a load of songs with like two chords in? What about Muller Kintyre? Isn't Muller Kintyre just got one chord in it? Yeah, yeah, but I don't think the polls would thank me for singing that much. <laughs> well, not for an hour and a half. They'd want their money back if I show up and sing Muller Kintyre for... <laughs> For 90 minutes. <laughs> Is there anywhere you could play Mull of Kintyre for 90 minutes? It'll feel like 90 minutes for <laughs> play at once. Um, sorry, Macca, but come on. I know, I know, I know. <laughs> but, you know, it was his only, it, it was his only number one, I think, I wasn't it? As, as, I as a solo artist, which just shows what the punters know. That is, yeah, yeah. Anyway... Anyway, mm. we said we'd try and talk about less is more. I've been padding as much as I can because I don't well know how much we've got. But go on, <laughs> let's let's kick in. Mm. Uh, we've done quite well actually. Seventeen minutes of padding so far. I think we've done. I think we've done right. well. Yeah. We thought oh, we were well padded. We are well. We've got a talent for this, you know. Mm. An absolute talent for it. Right. I am now just looking for the less is more album order. Uh, I, as I say, I couldn't find anything. The one thing I did find. Um, was a, and a review, a really interesting review actually, that talked about the album and talked about how brave the reviewer thought you were to have done that album because at a time when a lot of people were doing acoustic albums as kind of a um, well, it's a contractual obligation. We need to do one more album. Let's do an acoustic album or let's do an acoustic live thing because it's relatively easy to put together. Mm. You didn't do that. You actually treated it as a proper project well that was the intention um it's for other people to judge how much how well you a, did you know how well we did and, and going back to it i've you know listening to them this morning i mean i only listened to them off the laptop speakers i i didn't have the cans on i didn't get totally immersed in in, in the hi-fi but um i thought some songs worked better than others but but that's just me hmm. you know and with a project like that, it's going to be the case, isn't it? Yeah, there's always a risk, uh, so which is sort of part of the um, approach, really. You know it's risky. You're taking risks with the songs. You're deliberately bending the songs around, missing bits out, changing the chord structures of certain songs, um, turning them into other songs to some degree. Hmm. And I think... Uh, there are some songs that just can't be turned into other songs. Um, which one did I kind of... Mull of Kintyre, for a start. Mull of Kintyre's tricky. Yeah. <laughs> Although I'm sure Marillion would have done it in 9-8 or something. <laughs> uh, 
Um, oh, I want to hear that now. <laughs> I want to. I want to hear that now. <laughs> yes, uh, we'll do it for one of the Christmas releases. I'm just trying to find it again now. Oh, oh, Lord! Here we are. Here we are. Here we are. Hang on, bear with me. Yes, I'm bearing with. We're out of this world, wrapped up in time. The space comes in the heart of a ball. If I remember, was yeah. I guess I guess they were all pretty different. I mean, mm. in Syria, Lulu was pretty similar to what it is, uh, although it had been, you know, redone with marimbas and hammer dulcimers and God knows what. Go was very similar, really, in in you know as an arrangement. Um, you know, it started in the same place that the original starts and ended in the same place the original starts yeah. and and followed the same curve. Um, and, and, but some of them were completely different. You know, wrapped up in time has, has been completely re reimagined as a sort of gospel number. Uh, if my heart were a ball, was totally different. Um, and um, surf, babe, and quartz, of course, was completely bonkers. So there were, you know, it was it was brave and weird. Um, and it is what it is, you know. Whereabouts? Because the thing we should probably give a little bit of time to is it's not your fault because that hadn't appeared anywhere else before, had it? No, I was looking for that this morning because I had to listen to it and I thought, I'm sure this is on another album. And I was trying to find it and I don't think it is anywhere, no. is it? It's no, it's just not. there. Mm. Um, so that must be something... That was really just an attempt. I was talking to myself, really. It was an, a, a, you know, a, a, an attempt to finally alleviate a lot of the guilt that I felt about about the the first marriage going down, and you know uh, what what I felt towards my kids, and um, I'd I'd kind of felt like, well, well, the magic doctor in Utrecht said you've got to let that go now because it's making you ill. And you've got to start living in the now. And so I think that song was um, a sort of an attempt to articulate that. Um, but but why it only appeared on Less Is More, I don't know. Whether it had been something that was on the shelf and we'd taken it off the shelf or whether it was something we did, we might have just put that together during those sessions mm. and said, oh, that... That's quite pretty, you know. It's um, it's it's um, the way it's, you described it would make it sound like something that probably emanated from happiness time. Mm. Um, like you say, just with everything to do with the magic doctor and what have you, um, it could have been. You know, you, you've articulated it as a bit of a reaction to that um, that that meeting or that experience. I think um, it might have been Mark. You know, I mean. My memory's famously unreliable and never knowingly accurate, and all of that. But I think it might have been Mark who said, "What was that little demo you had that you played as in blah 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 blah?" You know, and I think I I might have demoed it at home, mm. um, played it to them, and they might all have gone, "Oh, that's all right, oh, that's quite nice," and then never used it. And I think it was, I think it might have been Mark who just said, oh, do you remember that demo you had? It's not your fault. And I went, yeah, I'll try and find it. And I think, I think it was, I think it was just thrown into that album at that point. Do you do much of that still? I mean, the one I always remember is, is the party as being something that, I'm sure I read that you you'd come up with at home, or you you you. Yeah, I did. Yeah, I, I I that was something I you know I I sort of had more or less. Did I have that? Um, do you do it much at that, all anymore? Do I play it much? Well, no, um, no. Do you come up with songs in that way? Do you like with? It's not oh, your fault. Do you have things that you work up at home that? Yeah, I had one. I had one for the last album called "The Queen of Kawasaki," which was uh, inspired by time spent in in Tokyo, in in or Kawasaki is a sort of suburb of 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 Tokyo. 
So I wasn't really talking about some kind of motorbiker or anything. I was talking about the place, Kawasaki. Because we played a club there a few times. And um, I was trying to articulate my memories of being there into a little story. Um, And I worked that up at home, but... You know, everybody kind of went, yeah, it's quite nice, yeah. And that was as far as it got. I don't think it particularly lit Mike Hunter's lights, so that was that. was that. But, you know, these things sometimes float about for years and then appear or come back or, or, or you'll, you'll take a part of them or, a, you know, an interesting moment in them and work them up into something else. So you never know. Mm. And was with less is more. Was the because obviously you toured it, um, and to my regret, it's the only tour. So I saw you first time round Christmas shows uh, just after season's end. The, the the what I think was the season's greetings tour. Um, saw you in Rock City. That's the first time I ever saw the band, um, and then the only tour I've missed since then was less is more. Right. And I was due to come to, uh, and I've got the poster on my wall. I was due to come to Burnley to the mechanics, and I wasn't well, so I didn't make it. Right. But you actually took less is more. You took the whole shebang out, didn't you? So it was a ridiculous amount of stuff to recreate that live. Yeah, we did. We took the little uh, Pete's little dulcy tone out, and uh, I played that live. Um, and the yeah, we had all sort of little xylophones and God knows what, I think. So that was great fun. Mm. Um, it would be nice to do one or two of those again, you know, with with real instruments, with with real percussion instruments and and real strings. I mean, is this a, is this a Merlion weekend night? Yeah, it could be. It it could be at some point in the future. That could be a really interesting thing to do. It might be a bit late in the day to consider it for next year now. Uh, but, yeah, I'll talk. I'm, I'll be seeing the boys later. Because you could even work up a I few more, could you? It was, I was listening to Go, and there's a little string quartet on Go as well. Um, and that would have worked really well with the Follies. That was what about Lewis as well? And Lewis, yeah. He could play yeah. some clunky, clunky things and some shakers. Well, he could he could bring a whole new layer of instrumentation that that wasn't there in the first place, couldn't he? Well, you can't stop him. No, no, no. He'll, <laughs> he'll be rooting about in his in his bag, yeah, <laughs> producing things that go. <laughs> I was think I was thinking about that because that came up in the Q and A. I was listening to it yesterday, and, and I'd kind of described I described it badly because what I should have said that bit where Wiley Coyote gets hit in the face with a frying pan. <laughs> That's the moment, isn't it? That that doing sound. That's uh, it, yeah. uh, if you've listened to the if you've listened to the Q and A this month, you'll know what I'm talking about. If you haven't, I'm really sorry. Um, before you write in, so confused of of Arkansas. Um, <laughs> Well, that would be that would make an interesting that would make a really interesting weekend night, wouldn't it? Because it'd be nice it to go would. back to it. It would, yeah. I, I remember, in as much as I can remember, I, rem- I remember fondly the um, Cadogan Hall show, which I think was the last night of that. You, yeah, you did two. In, you did two there. We did a DVD, didn't we? I think you did. Yeah. Uh, it was a shame because I had a cold and and I was really bunged up. Um, so I probably wasn't at my shimmering best singing or, you know, or, or, or living for that matter. But I, I do remember it really fondly. It was a lovely, um, lovely hall. And by the time we got there, we kind of all knew what we were doing. And I think most of it was played really well. So, uh, it would be nice to, to revisit that, I think. Yeah, because it's one of those albums that, by its very nature, unless you, you'd have to want to rep. You know, you can't throw. Well, it'd be quite difficult, I imagine, to throw one of those arrangements into a normal show. You've got to do a lot of it. It would be a shame to do it and not have additional real yeah. instruments and musicians included yeah. in it. So where there are, for instance, marimbas or xylophones, it'd be nice to use them rather than samplers and you know yeah. doing it all on the keyboards yeah. um 
and of course the to to have a to have a real quartet scraping along in the back would be wonderful um you know to 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 keep to, to sort of keep the thing true and what it was. To, yeah. to its uh, acoustic soul uh, and try and minimize how much technology you used would be would be that would be the thing to do if we were to do it again we probably use even less technology than we did on the actual tour now because we've we've since met all these lovely and amazing musicians you know straight we've we've met the follies we've met sam the french horn player and emma the flautist and lewis of course and so we now we've now got chums that could come and and get involved in those things and and make them really real and magical mm. even even put the choir in there somewhere Oh, oh gold. Yes. Ooh, this is turning into a night, this. <laughs> I reckon we've already sold some tickets on the back of literally on the back of this conversation. Yes. I reckon we've already lost a lot of money. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I'm not concerning myself with mere details like that. No, you shouldn't. And neither no. should I, Frank. And neither should you. Exactly. Yes. Let's get EMI to pay for it. <laughs> um right, we'll go for a bit of diary. You're you're heading to Sophia. Oh really? Oh, I rem- now I do remember that. Without, I mean, I haven't looked at the diary yet, but that. Oh my God! Yes, that was the um, the promoter who looked like Dave Stewart uh, from the Eurythmics. Now I don't think we ever got paid for that. I could be wrong, but I've got a feeling we never got paid. Um, but it was an interesting weekend. I remember the dead body in the street outside the restaurant. That was hysterical. Here it comes. (laughs) Friday, 12th of June. Home, Sophia. The alarm was set for 5am. I didn't need it. It's high summer and the dawn usually wakes me. So I lay in bed from 4.30, wondering if it was worth trying to get back to sleep. Decided against it at 4.45, and slid out of bed as silently as I could, so as not to wake Lynetta. She stirred and asked me to come up and say bye-bye before I left. Went downstairs, made some coffee, showered and finished packing. Like last weekend, I'm only taking hand luggage so I packed my computer bag, making sure I had the essentials. Passport, wallet, keys, computer and charger and reading glasses. Crucial these days, everything is a blur without them. Crept upstairs and said bye and left the house at 5.40 for the drive to Heathrow Terminal 5. The drive was pleasant, a nice clear morning without too much traffic apart from a white van that kept overtaking me at 100 miles an hour. Must have been a bunch of builders late for work. Currently working on becoming a bunch of late builders. Found a parking space easily in the short stay at T5 and took the lift to departures where Franchi and John were already at a desk checking in. No sign of the rest of the party yet, but I was probably a bit early. Hung around for a while trying to get through security, which doesn't seem easy in T5 at any time of day. Shoes off, computer out of bag, jacket off, empty pockets, belt off, etc. Practically naked through the electronic arch, which still beeps anyway, and then they search you. Sigh. All pointless theatre, as previous rants herein explain. Out of habit, I made my way to the Giraffe Cafe, past the suited smoothies who tried to sell me a raffle ticket to win the Lamborghini, slowly spinning round on its turntable. What on earth would I do with a Lamborghini? I don't think it would last long on the street in Brackley. I was still a bit too early to contemplate solid food, so I ordered a fruit smoothie and a cappuccino and settled down to watch the airport go by and listen to the world music playing in the Giraffe Cafe. Went for a wander round the shops and then bumped into Steve R. So we walked across the hall to gate A11. By now it was 7.45 and I was almost awake. Said hello to the crew who were sitting around 
Roderick had got up at 3.30 to get here. Hem had a gig on the Isle of Wight last night and had come to Heathrow straight from it, so he hadn't slept at all. At around 8.10, the plane was boarding, so I thought I'd call home and say bye to Lynetta. As I reached down into my pocket to pick up my iPhone, I could feel it vibrating, so I answered it. It was Elle wondering why I hadn't called. We chatted as I boarded the plane. When I got to my seat, I discovered I was in the emergency exit row, so my seat back wouldn't recline. Just what you want after getting up at half four. Managed to move seats before the plane took off. Pete graciously offered to swap with me, bless him, but I managed to find a window seat further down the plane, so all was well. A young, twenty-something, so young compared to me, girl in the aisle seat, stood up to let me sit down, apologising, seemingly embarrassed to be in my way. I explained that it wasn't really my seat, and that it was I who should thank her for letting me sit down. The Bulgarians on the plane all seemed smiley and friendly, and that made for a pleasant atmosphere during the flight. I got up later on for the loo and got talking to a chap who was also very sociable and friendly. He told me that he divides his time between Sofia, London and Los Angeles. He used to own a chain of supermarkets, which he had sold, and now he's in real estate. He said all this without even the slightest sense of showing off or pride. He wasn't particularly dressed in a way which would imply wealth, just jeans and an ordinary jacket. I asked whereabouts he was living in London. Oh, in Chelsea, overlooking the river. It's a very nice view. Not skint, then. We landed on time in Sofia and were met at the airport by a few fans who seemed to own everything we had ever released, which I dutifully signed for about ten minutes. You can tell you're in the developing world when there are adverts in the airport for pole dancing clubs. A minibus took us into the city centre, a 30-minute ride. Sofia appears to be settled in a valley surrounded by mountains. The feeling of the place is hard to describe. At first looking a bit like Greece without the olive trees, but as we hit the built-up areas of town, the advertising hoardings, all bearing huge slogans in Cyrillic letters, gave a distinctively Russian flavour to the place. There doesn't seem to be much here that's old. Even the old stuff seems to only go back to the early 20th century. At one point, we passed a sprawling building site, and through the gaps where the perimeter was boarded up, I caught a glimpse of the demolition within. An acre or so of rubble and building foundations, with completely intact huge bronze Russian monuments depicting the working man and the struggle of war towering over the site. Someone had decided to leave them where they stand and work around them. I also saw something else I haven't encountered before. At the road junctions, there are little control towers, a bit like the ones you see at airports for the air traffic controllers to work in. These are much smaller and only really big enough to house one person sitting up in the air behind tinted glass windows. I think they're for the police to sit in, or maybe for controlling the trams. Or maybe someone just sits up there with a machine gun in case anyone jumps a red light. We soon arrived at the Grand Hotel Sophia and checked in. I was given room 504, a suite overlooking the street in front of the hotel with the mountains in the background. Lovely. I texted Lynetta the hotel phone number and she called for a chat. We have a press conference at the hotel at 5pm, so I killed the two hours having a late lunch, writing the diary and trying to have a nap and catch up on sleep following the dawn departure this morning. The press conference was a little slow. There were 15 people sitting staring at us, but only a couple of them asked questions. Everyone seemed pleasant though, and one of the people there made a present to me of a Bulgarian monopoly. It's amazing that they know I collect them. Returned to my room, clutching said board game to my chest, and then made my way to the lobby to leave for a radio interview with Mark and interpreter Elena, who looked like a 50-year-old Debbie Harry. The traffic was slow across town during rush hour, but we eventually arrived to find a few fans hanging around on the street asking for autographs and photographs. We made our way inside and were on air for half an hour talking about our impressions of Sophia and the concert ahead. 
The rest of the radio staff hung around in the studio doorway, smiling and handing round beer, vodka and whiskey. They seemed to have a good time working here. Elena and the DJ were on the whiskey. Mark and I stuck to the beer, although I think I caved in at one point and had a shot of vodka, just to show some solidarity with the locals. When we left, all the radio staff seemed to want their picture taken with us, so it took a while to leave. Lovely bunch. Back to the hotel, where there wasn't much time before band and crew were off to dinner. Alex, the promoter, who looks like Eurythmics' Dave Stewart, had invited us out. So at eight o'clock we all ambled along the narrow, dusty streets until we arrived at a place where people were sitting outside on the pavement having dinner. This is apparently where we're eating. As we passed the street corner, I noticed a policeman lining up a row of restaurant chairs into a makeshift barrier. He was doing this quite casually and with an air of tired resignation, almost boredom. Nothing out of the ordinary, really, until I noticed the body at his feet, wrapped in black plastic bin liner with a waxy white human hand, clearly in view and clearly dead, sticking out of the plastic. It's the first corpse I've ever seen, and I confess it made me feel a little peculiar. What was truly surreal, however, was the presence of the diners, sitting at tables in very close proximity to the dead body, seemingly oblivious to it. More wine, dear? What a lovely evening. In Bulgarian, of course. We went inside the restaurant and upstairs, while I tried to convey to the rest of our party what I'd just seen. Mark shot up out of his chair and rushed to an open window so that he could take a photograph. No comment. It took a while before my appetite returned. We were served a salad, a kind of flat, salty bread, which I liked, and then large platters of grilled assorted meats, which were delicious. During the evening I was introduced to a couple of pro footballers, friends of Alex, one of which was wearing a long black jacket, which stretched to the floor. I asked if I could try it on, and so we swapped jackets. Everyone agreed it looked good on me. Turns out it's the jacket he got married in. I asked him if I could wear it on stage tomorrow, and he said sure. Nothing seems to be much of a problem for the Bulgarians. Three travelling musicians arrived and began playing frantic Balkan music on guitar, violin and accordion. I was reminded of the Adams family and could imagine Gomez and Festa kicking their heels whilst throwing large knives across the room in time to the music. By eleven o'clock I decided I should return to the hotel, so I said goodnight and a few of the boys accompanied me back along the warm streets. As we left the restaurant... I passed our drum technician, Andy, standing on a chair playing a row of large cowbells with an empty beer bottle. One of the promoter's chums asked if we would like a set of large cowbells and I gratefully accepted, although I wasn't sure what we would do with them. Hang them up in the studio and bung them on the next album, I guess. Back on the street, the corpse had gone and I was now proudly sporting a Bulgarian footballer's wedding coat. Saturday, 13th of June. Slept patchily. Pillow trouble as usual, and the room was too hot. I staggered around in the dark, trying to find a thermostat to tweak or a radiator to turn off. Couldn't find either, so opened the window. This too was tricky, as it involved pulling out some kind of plastic safety device in order to turn the handle. Managed it in the end and sleepwalked back to bed. For a five-star hotel, someone has really goofed with the curtains, which weren't wide enough to close over the window without leaving a strip of window on the left, right or centre. Woke up with the dawn, cursing said curtain condition, then woke up later, then later, then later. Luxury. Finally got up around 11am, Bulgarian time that's GMT plus two, and chatted to Elle for a while before venturing out to have a look around the city. I was searching for the Church of St. Sophia, which I'm sure was quite close. Couldn't find it, but wandered around trying to get a flavour of the town. I'd promised my daughter, who I named after this place, an email with a couple of photographs of the sites. 
In the end, I decided to send a photograph of the little Russian church and a poster of a military band, which seemed amusingly Eastern Bloc. I found it hard to find much to photograph. Nothing looked particularly impressive with my dodgy iPhone camera, and without the ability to set exposure manually, everything was very dark and underexposed against the bright sunny sky. Having finally learned not to wear myself out on gig days, I returned to the hotel and chilled for a couple of hours before leaving the hotel at 3pm. Once on our way in the minibus, I realised I'd left my phone in the room, so I apologised to all and we returned to the hotel to get it. When we left the hotel for the second time, I noticed a text from John saying he was having trouble setting up the Kurzweil. I've spent the last few weeks programming my laptop with an alternative rig for the live shows. Unfortunately, it was at the hotel, so we returned a second time so I could go and get it. Left the hotel for a third time and managed to drive to the venue some 30 minutes away. The venue neighbourhood looks surprisingly but distinctly Mexican to me. Lots of makeshift market stalls and high-rise concrete slums. We got inside to discover that the gig is an ice hockey stadium with the acoustical properties of a cave. It was going to sound, uh, lively. John seemed to have fixed the Kurzweil, so that was one less thing to worry about. Sat down in the dressing room to discover a long line of rusty cowbells laid out on the floor. Last night's promised gift. They range from just a few centimetres across to great big things almost as big as a cow's head. They sound good in a mad, clunky, metallic sort of way. I'm sure Mike Hunter will love them, if he can find anywhere to put them. There was quite a long wait before we could get up on stage and actually sound check, so we hung around in the dressing room. I'd left my shaver at home. There's always something, so I borrowed Pete's, which I somehow managed to drop on the shower room floor. It emptied its cutters and heads all over the place with one sensational shattering tinkling sound. Oh shit. Me and Ian crawled around the big ice hockey player's shower floor, trying to find the shaver components quickly before Pete came back. We managed to reassemble it and put it back inside his toilet bag just in time. I still haven't told him. I think it was working all right. He probably won't lend it me again. Soundcheck worked out okay in the end, and I actually had a good sound in my in-ears. Phil Brown's a genius. I think he had visibly aged five years since this afternoon, but it could have been a hangover. We noticed that there wasn't a line outside. Normally a queue forms round the building as door opening time approaches, But in Bulgaria, the people seemed to wander in, in a steady flow of ones and twos. The hall was filling up, but it was hard to tell exactly how. We were supposed to be on stage at 8, but at 7.45 the room was looking distinctly empty. We decided to wait till 8.15 in the hope that more people would show up. We all mentally prepared ourselves for a half-empty show and decided to make the best of it. However, when we hit the stage at 8.15, the hall looked pretty busy. Not packed, but pretty respectably filled. The crowd were to turn out to be great. By the third song I felt really connected to them. The band played really well and all the technology worked just fine. It turned out to be a terrific gig and a fitting end to the Happiness is the Road tour. We all went back to the hotel in the mood for an end of tour celebration. In typical Marillion tradition, it never happened. Two of the band went to bed, whilst three of us went out to the Rock Bar, which was so far beyond awful I can't even bother to describe it. Smoking is still legal in public in Bulgaria, so I lasted about a minute before bailing out of there with Hem. We walked the streets for a while trying to find ice cream, which Hem seemed to need desperately. Everything was closed, so we gave up went back to the hotel and ordered the second club sandwich of the day. While I sat in reception waiting for it, I watched a blonde hooker arrive, who was promptly escorted upstairs by the concierge. She reappeared less than five minutes later. Now that was a quickie. Ate the club sandwich and went to bed. It can't be good for you. The sandwich, that is. (laughs) 
And we're back. <laughs> we've just, we've just been laughing about the diary um, because neither of us had read it, but you just you just told me about the corpse, and then we had to scrabble and double check it was the right it was the right corpse, which which it was. It's the only uh, corpse I've ever seen. Yeah, I've, well, I have to say I don't think I've ever seen a corpse. No, well, you, there's no rush. No, oh no, 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 I'm not in a, any kind of any. <laughs> I've heard of. I've heard you talk about moments where the band died, but I've not heard you talk about <laughs> moments where the band were out and somebody else died. No, no. I mean, seeing two people sitting having a romantic dinner, you know, about three metres away from a dead body is, is quite something. Hmm. I don't need, I, st- I started to read it. I read about a page before we came on, and I've got a couple of questions, but now the corpse has come into it. I don't feel these questions are... Are particularly relevant anymore. I think we got paid for that gig and cowbells, actually, as well, because we never got paid in money. But at one point, an amazing set of, of authentic Eastern European cowbells came from somewhere. I, th- I think they were a, they were gifted to us during that show, or a sent in the post afterwards. And we've got them at the studio, and and they're. They're like you know the kind of bells that cows have around their necks, but there there's there there's like a spectrum from tiny little ones that you might put round a budgie, all the way up to something you'd put round an Aberdeen Angus, and you and we've got we've got them on a big string at the um, at the racket club, and they're they're enormous and rusty. Right. Well, as, you need to we need a picture of that. For of, Instagram. Of, of the cowbells. Of the cowbells. I'll have a look. Yeah. Yeah. And and I'm now trying to work out because obviously the way my brain works, I'm now thinking, how do you put those round a mixture of different animals? And then how do you orchestrate that into a tune? Yeah. You have to point at you know, point at the Dachshund and then and then point at the budgie. And then, yeah, then get point the budgie at the Aberdeen. Yeah, yeah. And then point at the cow. <laughs> <laughs> and get a goat to headbutt the bull. Oh. If you could get Carol of the Bells out of a load of animals with those bells, then I'd be really impressed. Yeah, that would be a circus act. Yeah, yeah, I think we should. Yeah, I'm liking the idea of that. <laughs> but back on to Christmas a little bit and back on to live stream because this was, oh. was asked. Uh, for, for those who are attending Oxford, is the Christmas tree dressing back on this year? Are we COVID-free now to be able to do that? Or does the live stream make that difficult? Oh. Is that Ooh. a question for Tim? Well, it's probably, a, yeah, oh, God. These are the things I should be lying awake thinking about that yes. I haven't yet. But I will. No. Um, you will now. There's so, so much more to this stuff than just rocking up and singing a few songs, isn't there? Mm. Um I hope the old Christmas tree dressing malarkey is 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 on. I, yeah, I should I should speak to Tim to find out whether whether we can have someone floating around with a handheld camera to capture things like that. Because normally with the live stream, I think uh, I think I've got fixed cameras mm-hmm. um, locked off in various positions to catch it. But if we're getting into including people putting baubles on trees, we're going to need cameramen floating around, aren't we? Oh, I think you need one of those guys that does the football with a steady cam. Yeah, one of those great big ones strapped mm. to his waist that gives mm. you back trouble. Mm. Um, yeah, the, the, I'll I'll talk to Tim. Talk to Tim. <laughs> I'll be seeing him later today for surprise stuff. For surprise, yes. So, so far on your list... Uh, picture of the picture of the bells. Oh God! Right, picture um, of the bells. Some form of musical performance with a variety of animals using the bells. <laughs> and can we dress the tree in Oxford? Yes. yes Your life was so yes. much simpler before I came along, wasn't it? <sighs> yes. <laughs> Didn't think night, about that one for long. Night and day. <laughs> night and day. Night and day. Well, let's let's call it a day for that one because it's a reasonable <laughs> length of diary night. reading, and you've got you've got stuff to do. Yes, I have got a lot on this week because I've got to rehearse four million chord changes for Warsaw as yeah. well. I can't promise a Chromecast this week for two reasons. First of all, I don't think I've got any newbies to to thank this week, 
uh, unless I'm forgetting one. Um, and secondly, um, I just might not have time. I mean, unless I do something incredibly simple in a wheels on the bus style. <laughs> mm. Mullock um, Kintyre's only got one chord. Uh, the, what has Moller Kintyre? Yeah. No. What did you say? He's only got one chord. Moller Kintyre. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Helen Wheels only has uh, Moller Kintyre has has more than. Oh, does it? it? I thought it only had one. No, I think it's three. No, it must chords. have two. It must have two. Actually, thinking about it. it's change in the middle. Yeah. Helen yeah, Wheels only had two chords. Right. Um, which is remarkable, but um. Maybe I'll do Helen Wheels. <laughs> um, I wouldn't worry about it for one no, week, you know. I might, I might not do a Chromecast this week because uh, I might be up to my eyes in chords. What you could do is you could put thirty seconds of mm. of just quiet in, and we can all take thirty seconds just to just to think how lucky we are and how lucky we've been to have Chromecast every single week. <laughs> It's the kind of thing a teacher would say, isn't it? <laughs> yes. Let's all just have Finger, a quiet fingers on lips. Think about how lucky we are. Mm. Yes. Yes. Right. You enjoy your day. I'll talk to you next time, and we'll gloss over the fact that we made a real pig's ear of less is more. Well, we can always return to, return to being even vaguer about it next week. What a time this is, everything changing Faster than the eye can blink Faster than we can stop and think What will the future hold? Well, whatever I want you to know I'm not ready to go If you can't stay with me tonight I'll remember the light Remember the light Thank you Whoever you Thanks for listening to the Corona Diaries. 
It featured Steve Hogarth with the insights and me, Ant Short, with the questions. If you enjoyed the podcast, please consider subscribing and maybe leaving a review as this will help others find it. You could even share with other like-minded souls, should the mood take you. This has been an A Short Stories production.